Well, hello there, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. Welcome to episode 11. I'm Chris, and I am joined, as always, by Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello. How's it going? Good, thanks. Yeah, good. Yeah. Awesome. And a quick hop across the Atlantic is Yvonne. Hello, Yvonne. Hello. Hello. How's it going? I'm doing well. Doing well. Recording on a different night. This is awesome, though. Mixing stuff up. Yeah. We'd, we'd want to throw that out there just to um, keep people on their toes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, do my eyes just de- or my ears deceive me? <laughs> no. Yes. No, they don't. <laughs> no. Because after a, a lengthy absence, she's back, everybody. The lovely Rachel's hey. here. Hey everybody! Hey Rachel! Hey. Good to be back! Woo! Hey Rachel, I how's it going? I missed, I missed the sound of your voices. Uh, <laughs> we missed you. Yeah. You could at least listen to the podcast. To, um, oh yeah! yeah. <laughs> no, I know you. I say, you had the option of at least listening to the podcast if you missed us. That's all I'm saying. I'm I not, know, but yeah. it's missing. I'm missing the interactive quality, yeah. though. Yeah, it's not the same. It's just not the same. <laughs> yeah. So, how you been? Ah, it's, I've been doing pretty good. You know, like I said, I've been enjoying the summer. You know, what's that? Being with family and everything and like that. But I was, it was really good to, you know, trips to the beach, trip to the beach, yeah. and I did one uh, trip to uh, Harry Potter World with my good friends who haven't had a chance to have a vacation on years so it was really good for all of us to spend some time together well before we're getting on with our day-to-day lives but it was uh it was good what's harry potter world um it's basically you know obviously like the name says it's based off the uh the book series and uh it's a split park between uh, it was at Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure, which you literally take the Hogwarts Express, you know, to and from mm-hmm. both parks. And then you can explore um, Hogsmeade and the Hogwarts Castle and uh, Diagon Alley. And it's, it's if you're familiar with the Harry Potter books and are a fan of them, then it's a must visit. Cool. Does it does the train have like an interactive like window display thing or anything like that? <laughs> kinda, like kinda, a, sorta. Like you, you actually see like the countryside like pass from like yeah. you know as you're leaving from London and going into the countryside and like going through the woods, the uh, Forbidden Forest between uh, that that's just outside of um, uh, Hogwarts Castle and everything. It's so it, it, it changes um, it changes when you uh, every time you get on. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. I saw something like that in, um, <laughs> when we we're judging, the, doing the VES awards, the, um, the sort of entertainment uh, 4D rides. There was uh, Ultra. I wonder if it's the same company, but it looked super cool. That's awesome. That sounds fun. It was It was great to experience that for the first time because I remember I went wow. once before, but that was before the park was fully finished. So I got to experience the whole thing, and it was fun. I had – but I got to drink butter beer. I had uh, – <laughs> Ice cream from Diagon Alley. There was a there was an a literal fire breathing dragon on top of the Gringotts Bank. It was awesome. Nice. Did I get all the staff to do hilarious accents? <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> oh, blimey, governor. 
Fantastic. <laughs> some, awesome. some do, some don't, but they're all dressed. They were all dressed in some like the do. um the Harry Potter like style outfits and everything, like with the wizarding hats and stuff. Which I kind of felt bad for these people because like the um during the days we were visiting, it was really super hot summer day, and they were all wearing uh, like kind of wearing thick black like clothes in the middle of the day. So I'm just <laughs> like, oh. Well, that's what you get for having the Harry Potter world in. In uh, America, and where in is Florida. where is it? In Florida, Florida. yeah. So Orlando, Florida. So like basically tropical, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, British clothing doesn't go down so well there. No, it doesn't. Like they had to stand there for like who knows how many hours trying to show all the small children who all had wands how to try and use the interactive wands to make stuff like happen around the park. Wow. wow. You, you know those locker rooms smell. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, man, that's hilarious. That sounds like fun, though. It's wor- definitely worth a visit. Do you know, they apparently, uh, they were at one point, they were when they were scouting for locations for the film, they wanted to use Canterbury Cathedral as oh. Hogwarts. And they turned it down. Serious? They turned it down because oh. it's because it's paganism or whatever. They thought they couldn't get away with it. That would have been amazing. Wow. <laughs> I would have just you know looked out the window and gone, ah, it's Hogwarts. Well, the in in in, in, in I think like the sixth movie, Harry Harry's in like a grotty old uh, train station, and that's my local train station, <laughs> <laughs> the one where he um. Where the uh, where the waitress like tries to chat him up and she's like, I finish at six. Oh and, uh, yeah, yeah. Like I, can't I remember if that was the sixth movie or the Deathly Hallows. I forget. I can't remember myself. I need to rewatch those movies. I've only seen, seen three of them. Oh, Ooh, really? They get pretty good. <laughs> they do. They do. I know. Yeah, I got into those books and movies a lot too. Yeah, I've only read the first three, so I've only watched the first three movies. Did you know that Steven Spielberg wanted to make Harry Potter into an animated film originally? Seriously? That's true. Hmm. To bring it back to our, you know, topic of the podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not to say that we got off track in any way. Um, oh, no. Already. Um, so, yeah, animation... <laughs> That's what we're here to talk about. Um, it's awesome. Yeah, it is. We are going to talk some news. As we mentioned earlier, we are actually recording this a different night from usual. So, not a ton of stuff has happened since last time recorded because it's only like three days after the normal. Um, <laughs> but enough. Be, enough. Enough. Um, one really cool thing that happened this week is that. Um, Production IG are working on a Ghost in the Shell VR experience for the Oculus Rift that they unveiled. Yes. Um, Yvonne, you've uh, been talking about VR mm-hmm. in quite a few of the episodes. You've, it's a real area that interests you, I think, yeah? Yes, it really is. <laughs> um, I, I Honestly, I didn't read that full article, but I saw it in... Um, so what's the what's the story? What's the what are the details on that? Because I mean, it looked looked really, really, really intriguing. Well, it's like a um, it's apparently it's a ten minute story. So it's a it's a not a game. It's a interact. Mm-hmm. It's a immersive story 
and it's based on Ghost in the Shell, which is a like sci-fi, cyberpunk anime right. manga thing that is basically based in a world where everyone spends all their time in virtual worlds and um, mm-hmm. there's cyborgs and virtual It's what large and parts of the Matrix was uh, was based on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Neuromancer. It's, for that it's like it's like a really um, good book. Really Really fitting. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really fitting um, uh, franchise to base a VR thing on because it's just going to be a natural fit. Um, yeah, and Production IG are a really impressive animation company. So sounds very interesting. Um, yeah. It's like the I future. said. Yeah, futuristic. <laughs> and it's gonna be available for Oculus Rift. And apparently, Oculus Rift is the consumer version is coming out sometime next year. So, yeah, yeah, I still, I, uh, I so wanted to get that dev kit. Mm-hmm. I think there are two versions now, but yeah, I, I had to stop myself. I, because um, I've got a little enough on my plate right now. <laughs> I don't need to open any more doors, but I'm all over that, um, that uh, market version for sure. Mm. <laughs> and. It's apparently yeah going to be about ten minutes, but it's also going to be a three minute demo version, so people can sample it beforehand. Um, and they're also going to be showing it at the Tokyo Game Show, which is happening this week. Um, wow, super cool! I'll have to check that out because I mean, yeah, I, I mean I've only really like noticed like uh, virtual reality is finally starting to becoming more of a actual thing, at least with the talking about you know the video game industry. But I wasn't sure how they were adapting that for, you know, other industries of entertainment. But I guess this kind of answers my question a little bit. Well, this is kind of the first thing that I've heard that is not games when it comes to actually, VR. Well, actually, I read something about how, I mean, this is off topic, but definitely in the realm of virtual reality, how, um, uh, I don't know, how it... In um, foot in football, in American football, uh, coaches are using it to sort of do demos for students to show them like virtual campuses. Hmm. Did you read anything about that? Wow. No, I don't know. I don't know what the content is like, but it's kind of like because if you think about it, I mean, you know, if you think about all the cameras that are on the fields and stuff, and how much uh, just raw data they have, I guess that would make sense, right? You could, <laughs> you could, you probably have enough data to sort of create like a virtual reality experience, but. Um, I don't know. Like that's all the information that I have. I just read like I think there was a little blurb on like um, uh, and gadget or or Buzzfeed or something. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought that was really fascinating. But the you know the students it's just they're using it as a tool to sort of convince them to sign on. Um, so that is interesting. Um, yeah, I mean I would love to. Uh, that'd be something to really delve into to find out exactly how things like that are being used. Yeah. But I don't actually know if this is actually going to come out anywhere other than Japan. But I hope so. Um, yeah. Well, it seems sounds like it. It sounds like the only uh, hole is just going to be that it's going to be in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, well, if it's not with Ghost in the Shell, because now Ghost in the Shell is pretty popular yeah. in the West, also. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I've I found the the release. It says. In a few days, the teaser is going to be released for free, and then the full version, which is ten minutes, is planned afterwards. Um, 
starting winter, uh, the full version will be sold worldwide. Okay. Uh-huh. So and the main price is about five dollars, apparently. Wow. Only five so, bucks? Seriously? Well, for a ten-minute thing, I guess yeah. they. I don't know. I, yeah, that is kind of cheap. Yeah, I've I've seen ten-minute things far more expensive than that. Mm. It seems like it'd be quite a good sort of testing thing, mm-hmm. like because I'm really not yeah. sure how well you know VR is going to work for. Well, it seems like that's kind of where it is at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, like I um I've seen lots of things recently where just you know people will be just trying experimental like films and just you know mm-hmm. just trying things out really. It's quite an exciting period, I think, where you get where, where we're getting these things which aren't quite movies and they aren't quite games. Um, I mean, I've yet to try um, Oculus Rift. No, me neither, or anything like, like that. The, the, yeah, like the last thing like that that I played was, oh god knows, probably something. You know, the, the technology's come a long way, so. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it, it, exactly, yeah, same. So it's, it's, it's gonna inspire people to have new, new things that aren't quite games, that aren't quite films. Um, yeah, it's, but it's, but it, but it's cool that, um, you know, Production IG, who mainly make movies and TV shows, are, um, taking it seriously enough. Yeah, I think they, um, they're, pretty well known for sort of pushing forward animation from a technical point of view so I I think they're one of the right sensible people to be testing it um, and also I've, I've got quite a lot of faith in them as a studio so mm-hmm. yeah here, here. yeah so I'm all for this it's exciting living in the future isn't it it's interesting. <laughs> I mean science I fiction becoming reality yeah I know I mean I just wonder I mean you must have to create You'd have to create so much more content. That's what's fascinating. Yeah, you'd have to create like lots of, like a choose your own adventure story, like lots of outcomes yeah. and. And not only that, animation. But the, yeah, but you also have like a three hundred sixty degree view, right? I mean, the idea is that you're able to look around okay. and sort of change your perspective. I mean, that's huge. That's so. That's crazy. Yeah, no wonder it's only ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's. I mean, that's really part of the problem when you give someone that kind of freedom. You have to create content for all of that. And it has to be seamless, like you know, because in any other aspect where you're creating animation, you're sort of cheating to the camera, and this takes that away. Right. Well, in, in or it makes in, it more complex. In, you get that less so in games, I think, video games. Right. For sure, like sandbox games and things like that. But even so, you're still, you only have one camera. Or, or you only have, it's limited. It's limited, I guess is what I mean to say. You have, you mm, have, you can, look, you can move your camera, but you definitely, and this, I mean, it seems like you'd have to have almost double the content, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you also have to create, I mean, just load time alone, you have to be able to, I don't know. I mean, I'm fascinated by it, and I wish I knew a little bit more. I, that's something I definitely want to look into. But, I mean, like, how do you control, you know, load time and, and the amount of contents that's there is going to affect load time. So then 
you know, I guess things are turned on and off depending on where the, you know, viewer is in the, uh, or where the camera is positioned. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff's fascinating. We would definitely, I think that would, that would definitely be a good uh, idea for maybe uh, a main topic for a later episode. I think if we, once we've yeah. done a little bit more research on it, yeah, I think that'd be a yeah, great idea. Yeah. Or, or once, or once, like you know, we've we've been able to tr- to test to test them. Oh yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah, so if anyone wants to send us a VR um, right. system. If anyone like to sponsor uh, <laughs> animation for <laughs> Donations to animationforadults.com uh, That's fantastic. Uh, as a bit of a follow-up to something we reported last week, uh, which was about Fantastic Fest showing uh, Mamoru Hosoda's Boy on the Beast as the US premiere, it's not the only um, animation stuff that they're going to be showing at Fantastic Fest because uh, they've released the whole um, skip, they've released the whole um, lineup for the festival, and they're also going to be showing a very interesting-looking French Canadian slash Belgian co-production called uh, April and the Extraordinary World, uh, mm. which I don't know how much you guys know about this. Um, it's sort not of too, not too much, but it, I've I all besides from the images that you've uh, you have on the site, I do need. It does look interesting enough that I want to like seek out the trailer though. Yeah, it's sort of steampunky alternate history world, um, but in like I think it's like forties Paris, but in a alternate history. Um, and what I was reading is that it's based on the work of a particular French comic artist. Um, mm-hmm. Who did a comic called um, um, Adore, Adele Blanc Sec? It's called, um, and there was a live-action French film of it a couple of years ago that was a lot of fun. She was sort of like a um, kind of almost like a, a female Indiana Jones type um, character, and she's like traveling around the world and um, in a big frilly bonnet because she's a mm-hmm. and it looks pretty cool um, but yeah it's from the same crater as that and it seems to be the style of the animation is based on his art um, and it won an mm. award at Annecy and it has been picked up for US release by G-Kids who are going to release it more widely next year Fantastic! It, it's going to cool. show in Fantastic Fest sometime um, because as far as I know, at the time of writing, they haven't, at the time of speaking, they haven't um, actually released when things are going to screen yet, just that it's going to be screening. Mm-hmm. And as well as that, they're showing a pretty obscure Japanese animation called uh, Belladonna of Sadness that is quite eagerly anticipated by some people. It's sort of a weird psychedelic um, art housey thing, but what's quite interesting about it is that it is um, is produced by the studio owned by um, Osamu Tezuka who was the guy who created um, Astro Boy and other other um, sort of much more family friendly stuff but yeah he's he was, one of the one of the fathers of anime I think yeah he's known as the god of manga as well because yep. uh, he practically invented the modern manga industry and he had a similar effect on anime and then um, he also, but he also did some more adult stuff. 
and he did like a trilogy of um, more adult films. One of which was based on A Thousand and One Nights, but um, put all the sex back that was apparently in the original story. Um, <laughs> and another one called um, Cleopatra, Queen of Sex. <laughs> and then the third one was, um, yeah, Belladonna of Sadness. And it is getting its first uh, US showing, and it's been given a um, a like 4K restoration, and it's going to be released on like Blu-ray eventually. But it's screening at Fantastic Fest as well, and oh, it looks wow. really weird and strange. Yeah, from 1973, is that right? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's something. It looks really uh, trippy and uh, 70s, really. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it looks, looks pretty kind of, cool. Yeah. It looks kind of like seventies yeah. um seventies album art type thing. Yeah, like yeah. fashion illustration. Yeah. You're saying Audrey Beardsley and Gustav Klimt. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Beardsley, yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. see that. Some It does not uh, it does it's a bit like you know, despite maybe coming from Tuska's studio, it does not look like typical anime, does it? Yeah. No. no. <gasps> but he did do quite a lot of experimental stuff as well. Um, Tazka, yeah, yeah. He did. He did a great short film called Jumping, which is like a first-person um, short film from the point of view, uh, you know, like seeing someone's eyes as they as they jump, mm-hmm. and it starts as little hops, <laughs> and then oh. this person like starts leaping over buildings and jumping like overseas. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's quite good fun. It's quite you playful. Actually, you can actually see like a ton of Tezuka stuff on YouTube. There's actually... I know you can see everything on YouTube, but you can actually see it legally, as in... Um, <laughs> there, there's like... Because the Tezuka company... He's dead. Uh, sorry to break it to you. He's been dead for a long time. Uh, <laughs> he didn't that know. Sound, that, sound, that sounded really you saying he does, Are you saying he doesn't have an active personal YouTube account? Yes, I am. Oh. He yes, he was not around when YouTube. So I don't go looking for video blogs. No, but um, yeah, his his com- you know the company representing his work is still active, and they've got a YouTube channel, um, and you can actually watch loads of stuff, including some of the experimental stuff, and like Astro Boy and all sorts of. Yeah, Blackjack, and mm-hmm. uh, what was I think I remember I watched uh, bits of Blackjack once upon a time, and it was um, there was all I think I have a manga, one of his mangas called The Princess Knight, and then of course there was I think it was a Kimba the White Lion. Who remembers that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the um, the one with the Lion King controversy. Yeah, that the very same. The uh, very suspicious similarities, eh? That they know I still about. liked it. I didn't. I didn't care. I didn't care about the sim- the the similarities between that and the Lion King. I just. I just thought it was just really, really neat to watch. Hmm. Um. Yes. So. Um. And also, if you're interested in Tezuka, I recommend the book, The Art of Ozobu Tezuka, by Helen McCarthy. is a very awesome hardcover arty book that is worth picking up, and you can buy it online or. I've also seen it like quite cheap in discount bookshops, which is kind of depressing because it's awesome. Uh, also, I think Jonathan Clements did a great lecture about Tezuka and his influence on anime, um, which you can find on YouTube somewhere. 
that's the kind mm-hmm. of thing you do, yeah. Um, yeah, so check that out. I'll put that in the show notes. I'll find it for you guys. Awesome. Awesome, thanks. So what else been going on in the animation world lately, Chris? What else? Well, this is sort of... Well, it is in the animation world, but it's also in the live-action film world in the Disney version of the live-action version of Jungle Book that is coming out next year has got its first trailer. Yep. And we did talk about this um, this film in our um, D23 episode uh, because there was a lot of really positive buzz coming out from the first footage. So we got quite excited. Um, and then this is the first time that we've actually got to see it for ourselves. So what does everyone think? It looks amazing. It's... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it just from just looks alone, from those couple of shots that they used for the trailer... It looks very, very impressive. It looks like the, um, as far as like the, you know, the way they have the, the way they're animating the animals and the, the environments that, that are, that's going to act as the setting. It looks very, very impressive. But they're like, there's still some differences that it looks like they're, they might try to do to just, uh, you know, to differentiate it maybe from the original Disney film, which could be both a blessing and the curse. I'm just saying, obviously, it's just the trailer, but it's still too early to tell. It seems seems like the trailer is saying, oh, we're going to be doing something a bit more rough and more like an adventure picture. um, More epic. To use that. Yeah, darker. I mean, because it is literally darker as well. Like, you know, visually, it's Mm -hmm. very dark. Um, But, um, and then Jon Favreau, the director, has, has, you know, sort of hit back a little bit and said, actually, you know, we still want to have a lot of the fun that's in the the, the original Disney movie. So it seems like the you marketing the, is saying uh, one thing. You hear the whistling necessities at the very end mm. right. the trailer. Sorry. Yeah, the trailer is weird because the, the trailer is like, it seems like most of the trailer is saying, yeah, this ain't your granddaddy's jungle book. And then, <laughs> and then at the very end, um... It, it has um, a shot of Blue and Mowgli. Mowgli sort of like mm-hmm. um, sitting on Blue's stomach, like right. the iconic images of him doing that in the in the um, in the sixties Disney cartoon. And then uh, Blue like whistling the the um, what's that song? The Bare Necessities. So, so, like, I felt like the trailer was saying, like, one thing, and then, so, the trailer was saying, ah, this is gonna be something new and exciting and, and, and far more grittier and, 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 and rough, ready than what you knew before, and then at the very end it sort of like went, but it's gonna still be the same old thing. So I <laughs> yeah, don't, but there I don't was, know what yeah, it's saying. The, I mean, that song can be, could be kind of dark too, you know what I mean? I, just, Okay. It's not, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it definitely, I think it lends itself to that, and it wasn't like suddenly it get cartoony or anything. I, mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, as long was, as... like, I didn't feel like there was any kind of, like, stark contrast. I just thought it was sort of a, like, a, a quite a nod. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it was intriguing to me. It was just like, oh, Jesus. Like, I definitely. What is like, this? Where yeah. the hell is this going to go, you know? <laughs> I mean, they also are talking. Pretty... 
And the snake yeah, exactly. is narrating through Crucially. most of it. So. Yeah, the snake is a chick, also. And that would make that right. a start of, like, because right. I remember that, that character being distinctly male. But mm-hmm. I thought the it, fact that they actually made it, uh, they they changed it up to so you don't really know who's talking. And then you actually see the trailer cut to mm-hmm. the snake. And it's like, oh, wait, that's who's been talking. Yeah. And boy, is it huge. It was Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah, it was um, Jim Cummings. I think who did, uh, did the original really... voice of Ta. <laughs> and now it's... The same voice act. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, the, the weird thing is is that you've only really seen um, Carr talking, and it's not like a real performance shot. It just looks like a snake. And the thing that's going to make the movie work is Baloo, Bagheer, you know, like, interacting with Mowgli. So, it's kind of like... It's a real teaser, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Totally. Because... <laughs> It's it, seeing like a big orangutan is like one thing we've seen that before, but like having having him speak and have having having Christopher Walken's uh, voice come out of it and, right. and I, I, a performance is going to be what the movie is going to be about. Hold hold mm-hmm. the phone because this is this is news to me. Christopher Walken is voicing the orangutan. <laughs> yeah, it's King Louis. Oh my god. That just made my day. <laughs> yeah. That is, per- so, that, is, that is perfect casting. What, what, one, thing, one thing also that was not clear about the trailer for me, um, and it just blew me away. Apparently half the movie is like green screens. Mm-hmm. And this is and 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 you know it's basically just Mowgli, which is which is live action, mm-hmm. which is nuts. Like all the environments are stunning. If if they are, you know, um, uh, computer generated. I mean, that's just yeah. I didn't nuts. realize that because um, mm-hmm. I was concentrating on the the animal characters. And yeah. to, be, to be honest, after all the you know people saying, oh, this is. Them, it's so amazing, everything. I kind of thought I was, I was a bit let down, thinking, you know, it's it's not. It didn't seem like it was much better than. Well, it didn't seem better to me than like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, for example. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, next level gobsmacking, amazing mm-hmm. CG. Um, it didn't seem more impressive than that, particularly. You know. I'm not saying it was bad because it doesn't look bad no, by oh, any stretch. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, um, this is not the same footage that was played at D23. Right. No. Right. At D23, they played like, um, you know, like full scenes. Mm-hmm. And so. trailers are always <laughs> they're always a bit of a. I mean, trailers now like this doesn't come out until April, mm. and you know, like. It, these shots are not the final versions of the shots that are going to be in the movie. They're going to be great again, or they're going to like redo bits here and there. It's just so you know. But but as as a first look, I I think it looks really uh, exciting, and and it doesn't look like it's hanging on to um imagery from the cartoon too much in a way that's kind of distracting. Like that was kind of what put me off Cinderella, 
like the fact that her dress looked exactly like the cartoon mm. and um yeah so it looks fun and it's it's John Favreau he's 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 you know he doesn't make movies that stink I thought it was funny the way it's got and the director of Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. And, yeah. and then the director of Iron Man's like, hmm, those are two names like, I never thought I'd see together. They should yeah. they should have used Chef. They should have used Chef instead of Iron Man. That would Agreed. Have been Elf. <laughs> exactly. Elf, yeah. Elf. Yeah. Director of Elf, that's what it should say. Every time he <laughs> makes anything, it should say from the director of Elf. I don't think I knew that. You'd make a million, but yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering how much of the one other thing about this this uh, this movie that I'm, I've got to wonder. I mean, obviously they're taking a lot from the cartoon, but also, I mean, because there's also the original book, the jungle, mm-hmm. the actual jungle book. I wonder how much they may or may not try to include from uh, that particular story as well. Well, it's funny or, you say v- that. version of the story. It's funny you should say that, because that is basically uh, one of the things that's been said, is that the um, the guy who's written the script, um, he is like a big fan of the original book, and uh. they, they're combining elements of the Disney version with with the um, original book more. Hmm. Mm. So, um, like John Favreau's like, oh, I love the Disney version, and the writers more like, I love the Rudyard Kipling version. And they sort of mashing them together. The Disney version is very different. I mean, I'm not <laughs> sure if I if I if I've said this before, so stop me if if I have. But famously, um, when it was being developed at, at Walt Disney um, Studios, they did they they basically you know boarded the beats for one version that was quite faithfully sticking to the book. And Disney reviewed it, and he said he didn't like it. He thought it was way too dark, and he just said, "Just, just do a Disney movie." <laughs> you know, he didn't. He, he didn't. He, you know, he didn't say just do a Disney movie, but he said, "Just do something which is, you know, a bit more fun and play around with this." And they took a lot of liberties um, in the Disney version. Yeah. Uh, so it's it, it's it's um, there's there's plenty that. There's plenty to do with it, you know. What, what I'm saying is, you know, the story is kind of constantly in flux, and there there have been lots of adaptations. So, like making another one isn't really like, oh no, they're ruining a classic. So much, I don't think. Well, there's going to be another two for a start. <laughs> oh really? What is Andy Serkis's Jungle Book origin? Yeah. Right, that's a good title. Yeah. <laughs> well, they've got, they've got, well, you know, because they want to make Jungle it a justice. Surely. <laughs> J- Baloo versus Shia Khan. <laughs> dawn of Jungle Justice. The Dawn of Cat. The Dawn right. of the Jungle King. There are another two. What, what's the, what's the, what's the no, third in, one? No, no, including. Oh, including. I see. Right, yeah. yes. I'm saying yeah. they're going to be another two in the next few years. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, Rachel, you haven't ha- we haven't had the chance to ask you what you think about all these Disney live-action films that are coming out. The whole general um, trend. Mm-hmm. We we talked about it a bit on our podcast before. 
just wondered, are you a fan of it or against it or sort of mixed? Um, I guess if I had to just pick pick one of those three, I'd, I'd have to say generally mixed because I'm all, you know, I'm not against, you know, a retelling of a story because that's, you know, fairy tales and other stories that have, you know, survived for centuries. That's, you know, that's their bread and butter. That, you know, it, you can't tell, you, you tell a story a certain way for so many years and then it, it's going to get stale after a while. So I understand for, you know, wanting to revive something or like do a new twist on a particular tale. And, you know, that's all well and good. It's just, I, it, it's the way, I don't know if it's more of the way that it's being done or just the fact that, you know, if, if it's, and there are any ulterior motives of like, are we just doing this, doing these retellings because we run out of ideas or are just, you know, do we just generally have a, a new story to tell or a new version of a story that would be generally interesting or tr- doing something that had never been done before? Also, it seems like there doesn't seem to be like a consistent idea because like with Maleficent they were going alright we're telling the story of the villain we're telling it from a different perspective and then like with Cinderella they just basically went we're going to do a straight telling of Cinderella and well well, the thing is with Maleficent I have to say I'll give them props for this that they you know the the idea of taking the story of Sleeping Beauty from Maleficent's point of view was was a genius idea. You know, it's a perspective of the story we haven't really seen explored before. But, like, I mean, I when I remember when I watched that film, I absolutely adored the backstory that they kind of gave, that they gave her. But at the same time, like, with certain elements of the original story that were, that was really good, like the three fairies and, you know, the whole general idea of the original tale, they changed it around to make, like, the, the three fairies were just, like, these bumbling morons and, I remember in the original, at least in the original film and the original tale, they were, they were not that stupid. Mm, They were like aunties. They were like really important characters. You know, like the family, the family that um, that Briar Rose like never really had. Yeah, and so I I felt like I felt really terrible that for this story to work, at least the way that they they had envisioned it, they had to sacrifice these characters and what made them special in order to give this other character, you know, an in-depth backstory. Because I felt like if, you know, you could have pulled both, you know, had both of those elements and have succeeded even, you know, further than what they did. But, you know, sometimes you just think, sometimes you have to either cut for time or just someone just says, oh, would it be, wouldn't it be funny if they were silly and we had to make Maleficent, Maleficent actually take care of the Aurora, like, uh, not really, because then that kind of sacrifices the whole fun thing of aspect about her character and the fact that she's freaking evil. <laughs> the empress of all evil. Yeah, and then they're going to do a genie prequel for Aladdin. Okay, whatever. <laughs> and the only, Again, the only backstory you want from... No, the only backstory you need from the genie is like is done in that one line, isn't it? 10,000 years gives you such a crick in the neck. <laughs> it's just like, I don't want to know anything else. <laughs> He's been in there. I don't know. I'm, I'm personally, because I grew up with the, uh, you know, reading the stories of the, the Thousand and One Nights and the whole, you know, mysticism of, you know, gin and everything. That makes me want to see this, this uh, movie. But 
that's probably not the best reason to want to see that movie. I mean, I'm probably hoping for too much. You, you, you mean you want to see his origin story? Oh god. Oh, oh. Puns. That one hurt. That hurt so bad. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're gonna feel that one. That's a dad joke. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. <laughs> I gotta lock that one off. Oh. Alright, yeah. Yes. Answer your question, Dan. Yes, I would. (laughs) I at least like to, you know, maybe see an interesting, like, play on it. I mean, obviously, with the. Since the fact that the Disney's Aladdin is uh, very much its own unique entity, separate from uh, what the original A Thousand and One Nights uh, tale did, but I don't know. I would like to think that maybe that they could. Do a, I, I'd like, I want to believe in the Disney, uh, animation crew and the, their, mm-hmm. so that, that they could actually pull off some really interesting stuff, cause they've done it before. It but, seems like it, de- it seems like it depends on how popular certain elements are, or how integral certain elements are to a given Disney movie's popularity. Um, it seems based on that, how, f- it, um, based on that, they decide, how far they're going to deviate from what the original Disney version was. Mm-hmm. So, like, with Cinderella, I think, you know, the the way they did the carriage and her dress, and, you know, the, like, there was a lot visually there, which was Disney Cinderella. Whereas, mm-hmm. and then same with Maleficent as well, you know, her, her costume. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Because what you're saying, Chris, about, you know, there there doesn't really seem to be, like, a through line. It's not like a cinematic universe as as we sort of know them now where, as you said, there's one idea, there's one fashion in which these things are going to be interpreted, which we're going to expect. So it kind of makes the Disney adaptations maybe a bit more passable because you it's slightly unexpected what they're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Well, we better get used to them because they're going to be around for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> There's like 14 yep. in development or something. Yeah. Oh, I don't, they're not running out of ideas. They're, um, you know, they just, they do well. So they're going to keep making them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's, move on a little bit and something else that has been released this week that's been interest of interest to animation fans is a new short from Glenn Keane uh, and it's called Nefertali Nefertali and it yep. was it was made for um, it was commissioned by the Opera de Paris in France obviously um, and it's to do with ballet and stuff and we've all seen it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's where he was doing research for duet right or are those two that's what it seemed like projects? to me yeah i think so i think that's the case because i i think he dan you saw that uh presentation that he gave i did i, I, saw it at, um, I did i was kind of in a daydream in. Yeah, I, mm. d- I don't think he really mentioned but, yeah. where he was doing his research, unfortunately. I think I think I remember him mentioning that's where he did it. I, but um, mm-hmm. it makes sense anyway. But yeah, beautiful drawings. Jeez, I mean, I love mm-hmm. that you get to sort of see 
I mean, obviously they're all cleaned up to a degree, but um, it's just nice to be able to see, um, you know, ma- master draftsmen at work, you know, <laughs> and, you know, instead of just seeing um, these super cleaned up cells that are painted, you know, it's kind of nice to see some extra lines. Um, yeah. Yeah, the drawings are gorgeous. I, I really like sort of like with him and like with Richard Williams and like mm-hmm. when artists basically get to the end of their career and they're just like I'm just gonna make films for me now and exactly yeah or I'm just gonna do things you know even if it's not like for example the um the famous poster artist Drew Struzan like he retired and he just does fine art now what he wants to do and like the animator um who produced Bagpuss and Claggers and everything um Peter Furman he he like does um like fine art sculptures and stuff now he's just you know and I feel like it's kind of like this is the um the period of his career that Miyazaki's got into now where he's just going to do I'm going to do whatever I like and it's going to be really interesting (laughs) to see like the result of his dalliances in the sort of more personal little projects like this (laughs) yeah yeah I'm I'm surprised that you know or I, it's just really nice to see, you know, relatively soon after duet, like mm-hmm. Len King just doing more animation for the sake of it. Right. Because his, yeah. his drawings are gorgeous. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I just love watching him draw. It's, is interesting. Cause he's always interested in, you know, the force and the weight and what's, he's, he's really good at talking while he draws as well. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And also, that duet piece. I mean, didn't he say that it was like sixty frames, sixty frames per second or something? I mean, he had oh, to yeah, yeah, like at least double the amount of drawings, and he was, you know, excited about doing that. So in a way, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> you know, mm, um, mm. you know, I, I'm sure uh, uh, he's probably got more coming. <laughs> no guess. doubt, no doubt. You know, no, it seemed it seemed like it, you know a few years ago when he, like you know, decidedly parted ways with Disney. It was, it was like a, a, a propulsive mm-hmm. move, you know, towards wanting to make stuff. Yeah. So I, I, I you know, it, it, it would be great if he sort of regularly, you know, oh, oh, cool, and a new Glenn Keane movie is out, you know, and it was like a, you know. A little four-minute YouTube thing that you watch, you know, if he does like two, <laughs> three a year, that'd be awesome. Right, and then you and you go, Jesus Christ, I have to, I have to go practice my my drawing. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm always yeah. like, that's, that's so bad, beautiful. Hey. I have to go draw. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go sign up for a figure drawing class immediately. <laughs> <laughs> It's inspirational. Yeah, it's absolutely inspirational. You said just then, like, go sign up for a figure drawing class, and the mere mention of just like made me like my stomach is just tied up. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. The anxiety, but but it's but also you know like it. He's he so enjoys it, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. You know, kind of like Richard Williams. Yes. Um, with his with his new short prologue you know you hear right. him speak he's so excited still about animation it's, oh it's, yeah 
I mean, he, he says himself, and I know I mentioned this, but, I mean, that was one thing that I think everyone carries away when you hear him speak because he's like, I mean, the time I heard him, he said, you know, I'm 81 and I'm, you know, just now getting a grasp on my craft. I just now feel like <laughs> Yeah. And he, um... He yeah. <laughs> he, um... Yeah, but, so um, good. Also, I, I'm going to take this opportunity to say, uh, just if you're in, if you like this movie, this, this film, um, go YouTube Glen Keen, like lecture, Glen Keen, yeah. lecture, because there are a bunch of great lectures he does about animation. Um, there's one mm-hmm. where he animates a guy getting up from a chair. There's one where he animates, um, a ballet dancer, kind of similarly, similarly to the ballet dancer in this. And there's another really, really old one that's like a VHS rip um, <laughs> huh. from a CalArts lecture where he is just talking about wow. uh, sketchbooking in general and seeing people and making observations. Wow. And I say, like, th- th- that is a drawing school in itself, his, his, um, his lectures, because he really talks about, you know, um, really internal ideas to create mm-hmm. something which is, you know, a figure, external. Um, yeah, he's very articulate and, and inspiring. I mean, he's just, uh, yeah, the combination. I know I've walked away, we talked about this, I walked away from that lecture going, like, you're feeling just as inspired as you do when you, yeah. you know, look at his work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and whenever I get in a slump about drawing or I, you know, have a weird bl- block, I'll, I'll go uh-huh. and search out those videos and watch them again. They're like, how do you do this again? How do you draw? How do you, oh yeah, you have to like feel it. You know, you have to imagine what it's like to step somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So go and check out that video and we will obviously <laughs> have to stick the uh, link to it in the show notes so that you can. Yes. And okay. I think that's enough news for today. Um, <laughs> our brief turn, our brief sojourn through the news that lasted 50 minutes or so <laughs> <laughs> there's, a lot to, there's a lot to talk about uh, now we're going to talk a bit about <laughs> now we're going to talk a bit about uh, some things we've been watching um, and because it's been a while since Rachel's been on the show uh, I know that Rachel's got some things to talk about yep uh, my, my biggest thing I wanted to you know just because we hadn't had an opportunity to talk about in the podcast before uh, before I had to take my leave of absence I uh, wanted to discuss a little bit about the the American showing of uh, Dragon Ball Z Resurrection of F that mm. I uh, was very fortunate to get to see the, um, on the very first uh, day it opened Nice. And um, I have to say, it was, I, I mean, the movie itself is, I mean, like, if you read my review, you'll, you'll know that I adored it. It's basically all the action a Dragon Ball Z fan would want, plus a really, really nice uh, dose of humor. Kind of a bit of a continuation of the story from uh, the previous film, uh, Battle of Gods. And, um, and the way that they've... Uh, they're, they keep evolving the story. It looks like, you know, it's going to work out nicely with um, the new Dragon Ball series that they have right now. But um, mainly the thing I wanted to talk about is just how what kind of an amazing experience it was just to uh, be in a theater full of uh, Dragon Ball fans, both young and old. Like, I saw 
grown grown men. I saw women. I saw mm-hmm. little kids with fan, you know, little uh, families with little kids who are all wearing uh, Goku like you know orange shirts or like you know shirts with Goku or Vegeta or uh, any member of like the main cast. All like you know, all crowded crowding into that theater and uh, just having us an awesome time with this movie. <laughs> was quite an experience and I'm uh, very excited very happy to have been a part of it that's helped making that uh movie the success that it is at least in the uh it's western showing so far yeah it made an awful lot of money <laughs> and for good reason because there were a lot of a lot of people chomping at the bit to see it and you know mm. props to Funimation for uh doing a great job of uh, marketing the film to their uh to their audience wasn't there like a, a pre-show showing before it as well like yeah there was um they had a whole like thing where they talked about the various aspects of the film like the fact that you know they were bringing back this uh you know one of the series main villains for this film and you know kind of this significance within the story for the time he was on the series and then they had this really fun uh fun little bit where they had a whole bunch of the various uh, voice actors of the characters of the film all doing uh like dragon ball based trivia <laughs> And just having to see how many of them, like, see who knows what and how well do they know the own story that they have an <laughs> impact in. Wow. Some did good, some did not so good. But then, but at least, the very least, they all looked like they had fun doing it, so. There's actually a really interesting episode of the uh, the podcast that um, Rob Paulson, the voice actor, does, Talking Tunes, where he has other voice actors on. They, they had an anime special and they had um, like one of the people they had on it. They also they also had Steve Bloom and some other really well, oh, really yes. awesome English voice actors. But they had is, is it Sean Shemmel. Um, yeah, who, Sean Shemmel's Goku. Yeah, who plays Goku? And he was basically saying about how incredibly lucky he was to get in that role because mm-hmm. I think he said it was you know the first part he auditioned for um, when he was becoming a voice actor, and you know he's still doing it like what. 15 years later or something. I don't know how long they've been dubbing it. <laughs> it's like, a like, long, long time. Longer than that. And, and and that's kind of why like I'm half but not too surprised, uh, Rachel, about you saying, you know, the um, about the what the audience looked like. You know, like, hmm. it kind of has that sort of crossover appeal, like Star Wars, where new kids can discover it at any age. And love it. Yeah, and it also helped that still you know, has, aired, like, uh, fans. They know, aired uh, who... Dragon Ball Z Kai on uh, on Nickelodeon too, or in various channels. But that also right. helped. But yeah, it is a cross generational series, yeah, which must... I'm kind of happy for. <laughs> they must have done a really good job on the marketing because it sounds like all the all the screenings sound like they were pretty much packed. All the stories you hear about it, and. It... Mm-hmm. And it just sounds like everyone was going out and having a really good time, and made it. That's the good one of the good things about having these like limited screenings is that they can make it into more of an event. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I can't tell you how happy I was. Like there were so many moments where the I, you know, the entire audience would just roar with laughter. And uh, my particular favorite moment when a certain I don't want to spoil too much for people who haven't seen it yet, but um, there's a certain character who. Uh, manages to get this, uh, manages to reach this one power-up form, and, uh, basically, the entire crowd, the entire audience of the, uh, movie basically just started applauding 
and just mm-hmm. like standing up. It was it was it was so great. <laughs> and but that, yeah, that was that was. I'm so happy I got the opportunity to see that. I am the Dragon Shenron. I shall grant you any wish. Now speak. I wish for Frieza. Bring him back to life. Your wishes have been fulfilled. Something tells me we're in trouble. I've only spent years waiting patiently in hell for the chance to get revenge against the Saiyan. Well, as strong as Goku's gotten, he's gonna make your face look even worse. <laughs> what sort of fool do you think I ask? Soldiers, give them everything you got! Here they come! Right, let's do this! Awesome. And that is film is also getting a very limited uh, UK screening where it's basically <laughs> it's basically showing for one day um and it is mainly in I think Showcase and Empire Cinemas. Um and if you check our website that you will find uh an article that's got the uh list of screenings on or a link through to the official website anyway. Um, and we'll stick it in the show notes. So uh, then that is uh, September 31st, was it? 30th. 30th, sorry. September 30th, um, you can see... Dragon and then Ball. the DVD is coming out soon after. Yeah, that's so coming out. So if you out. miss it, you don't really miss it. Yeah, it's coming out in October. Um, but but you can get to see it on a big screen, and maybe you can... I don't think it's going to be quite the same experience in the UK, probably, because... I don't think audiences, you know, cheer. No. <laughs> that's kind of ironic because that's actually, um, it was actually while I was living in London that I first ever watched Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, believe it or not. What? It was during yeah. my during my time yeah. when my family was living in London and that's why I first watched it and got hooked. CNX. CNX. The channel that was kind of Connected to Cartoon Network, but didn't actually have Cartoon Network in the title. It was brilliant, <laughs> and then and then they showed movies like Demolition Man in the evening. Yeah, yeah, it had like tsunami stuff, and then adult swim stuff, and then really random stuff like yeah, just, just like action movies and yeah. lots of kung fu movies. It was a damn good channel. Didn't last yeah. long, of course. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, only, only. Okay, uh, so what else have you been watching? Um, let's see, there was this, uh, I watched a 12 episode, uh, short anime series called Nor- uh, Norgami, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. It, and, um, it's about this, uh, it kind of delves into the whole, uh, you know, Japanese mythology where, you know, there are, you know, basically like, you know, the gods are all basically all around in nature. Like there's, um, I, at least I think that was like. Uh, I think that I'm not 100% sure because I am not Japanese, so I'm not 100% versed on what what this is based on. But the plot surrounds this uh, a particular uh, lesser god named uh, Yato, who is trying to uh, who basically is trying to advertise his services and uh, so that people will start worshiping him. And one day, <laughs> while he's trying to figure out, you know, trying to uh, fulfill a wish made to him. 
uh, he is, let me see if like, he almost gets hit by a bus, and, uh, <laughs> this, and this girl pushes him out of the way, only to realize that they're coming through, con- coming into contact with him. She gets hit by the bus, and her soul is actually pushed out of her body and only loosely connected to it, so she'll have moments where she'll, her actual body will fall asleep, and her spirit will pop out of her body. And so, basically, she encounters, she she finds him again and just comes up to him and goes, fix this. <laughs> and so, the next 12 episodes are, you know, them trying to figure out what exactly is wrong with her and uh, basically her learning about this whole, the, basically, the world that he interacts with on a day-to-day basis and how both, how dangerous that can be. But it's it was really, I, I mean, I just, I just really enjoyed the character's and how they interacted off each other was what really, I mean, there wasn't too much of a plot going on, I would say, but at the same time, it's just like you watch it for the characters and how they, you know, learning more about each other and actually, you know, becoming friends and so on and so forth. And Was it was it, it, was, was it funny or, or just interesting, just good drama? Um... It was definitely, it was definitely a funny, funny series because mm-hmm. Yato himself is just a complete... <laughs> They love they love making fun of him in that show. Like both um the female lead and um the next uh there's this one uh ghost of a teenage boy who um they don't really explain how he died, but it's implied to have been pretty traumatic and he how he has to learn how to be with uh being a ghost and that he's actually tied to this uh to Yato as a like a vassal. But um they always constantly love making fun of him. <laughs> And how much of a, how much of like a, a lazy, lazy good for nothing, he is. <laughs> but um, it, it's definitely a nice little twelve episode series that I definitely enjoyed. It sounds I mean, like I know fun. The... An- yeah, it sounds like fun. Anime does that stuff so well. Like it did, nothing really has to happen, but like you know, like slice of life doesn't really call for you know big plot revelations or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the characters can be enough to, and it sounds like from what you're saying, the characters are enough to just like carry it. Yeah, it really is, especially um because like um I think then the stronger points of the uh, at least the 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 first arc that you uh that you watch is after they um you're introduced to this uh Yuki I think Yukine is the kid's name the the ghost kid and. uh how now that he's this vassal of this uh, minor god, of how the two are actually connected. That if um, he in any way, like, sins or does anything negative, like, it will physically hurt Yato. <laughs> so, and <laughs> there's a, there was a particularly funny moment when um, the uh, the female lead, she's like, oh, you know, take trying to uh, take care of this kid... Like kind of help him out and uh, read in adjusting and everything is being super nice to him. Whereas this teenager, you know, he's a preteen, so he sees this pretty, you know, high school girl and she's being all nice to him, treating him like a little kid, and he's thinking of only one thing. And basically, you then you hear Yato screaming over in the corner, like, "Would you stop thinking about stuff like that? <laughs> Get those dirty thoughts out of your head." But yeah, that was that was fun to watch, and I think the only other thing I actually rewatched. Um, a particular Disney film that I thought was uh, a bit underrated, personally, was um, Treasure Planet. Oh yeah, yeah, and I uh, I I keep forgetting how much that uh that film, at least in terms of just like I mean I know it's a 
a bit split in terms of, you know, how it uh, interprets the uh, the story of Treasure Island. But I don't know. I think as far as, like, the, the connection between the um, protagonist and the antagonist of the film was actually really inspired. And the, it, it also looks fantastic in terms of just general animation. I forget who which animators worked on that, though, unfortunately. Glenn Keane Glen worked on it. He did... Um, did he now? Long John Silver. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And, and, and he also did... There are a couple of scenes at the start of Jim... Uh, is he called Jim in this version? Yeah, Jim. Yeah, Jim Hawkins and his mom. Like, Jim mm-hmm. is a baby. Oh yeah, when he was a little kid. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's that's some Glen Keane stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was I don't wondering think... why that looks so familiar. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I've only seen clips of that, which I I loved the clips, but I've not actually ever yeah, seen that. I've like, only or... seen it once. I remember um, there was a robot which was like completely CG, uh, and that was yeah, really that impressive was, uh, to me. Ben, that was the that's um, the Burby's version of Ben, Ben Gunn, but uh. I forget who voiced him though. Was the only thing, but I don't remember. I don't remember looking too fondly on that character. Everything else was great. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I've been again. watching. Yeah, that was from sort of a weird period of Disney where they did that mm-hmm. and like Atlantis, the Lost Empire, and and then some other really different things like Emperor's New Groove is my favorite mm-hmm. from that period. <laughs> yeah, because that's really different. Um, but yeah, they tried to do a couple of more actiony movies, but they didn't really catch on. So, well, you, if you yeah, watched probably... like Treasure Planet, it was it was actually I was surprised at how emotional it was, at least in certain parts of the film, because uh, especially during the one song sequence that they do that they do have in the film, where you're seeing you know Jim on the ship as they're you know going on their journey, and they keep flashing back to his childhood and how. His father became distant to the point where he actually left, and how that's still affecting his character. That was that was that was pretty. I mean, I mean, Disney always certain like some Disney movies always have like a certain like like of an edge, like a like a darker edge to them, or like a issue that they at least try to represent. But that was very different, at least from every anything they had done tried to do before. I think. Yeah, I always think in my mind though, I I connect it with Titan AE. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the main human. character looks similar. He's sort of like um curtain hair. Like them yeah. shaved in the back of the head and all that. Or just a little like ponytail yeah. off the back. Yeah, they they tried to make him look as like edgy as possible. Which I mean, given the character's attitude makes some sense, but yeah. Yeah, I think I've only seen it once, but I think I out of the two, I preferred Treasure Planet to Titan AE, probably. Um, Same here. Yeah, because <laughs> Titan AE wasn't quite, it was a bit, it was an interesting experiment, but I don't think it particularly paid off. Um, it but, tried to do too much, I think. But it's a shame, because, you know, it was trying to do a, a sci-fi animation that wasn't... Mm. Yeah. It was trying to push animation to do something different. I was certainly the right age when they came. I was about 11 mm-hmm. when like Atlantis came out. Yeah. And I was like, just the right age for like a Disney movie, which was a bit action-y, uh, but not too adult. 
Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it since, though. I remember really enjoying it, though. Yeah, Atlantis was, uh, like, both that and Treasure Planet, I mean, I know that was, they both came out in a very, like, odd time for Disney, but, and even, you know, and I can understand the possible complaints that people have with both of those films, but even if they're ever on TV or if I ever, like, see someone else watching it, I'll sit down and watch it Mm. and still have a great time. I didn't see Disney trying anything like that anytime soon. No. Which is no. a shame. Mind you, they are they are doing some films that are they they're doing quite a wide variety of things. they you know, Zootopia and Moana quite quite different films. Mhm. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, but that's that's it for me. Okay. Um something that it's been a while since I've talked about anything I've been watching. Uh so something I watched quite a few weeks ago now but I haven't talked about on the podcast is that I've watched Chicken Run for the first time in absolutely years um, oh yeah yeah um, and it's the first time I got to see it in HD because obviously I've got the um, I've got the DVD but it was on Netflix in HD and I don't think it's been released on Blu-ray um, so no that and Where Rabbit have not oh that's, that's so depressing I need Where Rabbit on Blu-ray. <laughs> I remember it was on I was, it was on TV over Christmas, and I yeah. recorded it because it was in HD. Yeah, so good. Mm. Um, yeah, and it was interesting to go back to Chicken Run um, because you know it's their Ardman's first Hollywood film, <laughs> um, <laughs> and one thing that really stood out to me is how basically all the cast. Almost all, because they're chickens. <laughs> all the cast are female, pretty much. Save <laughs> for one or one or three three different uh, male characters, but yeah. mostly yeah, mostly female. Yeah, and you don't get that many female. You, you don't get that many <laughs> female voice actors in the cast normally, and <laughs> no one comments about it. You know, cause they're just chickens. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> no, mm. You don't. You don't see that in a Disney film. You might. Well, you might get um, two princesses, her sisters, <laughs> princesses, hilarious. stepsisters, evil sorceresses. Yeah. No, you're right. That's a really good point. We need more chickens in movies. That's so funny. I was just watching it, thinking, "Hang on, this has got like every British female actress." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in it, and then just Mel Gibson <laughs> pre meltdown before we all went. Pre meltdown, so, uh, yeah. Pre public she... meltdown. I'm yeah, sure they're <laughs> exactly <laughs> before the sugar tits incident. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone just recovered it. It got worse. It got worse than that, Chris. But yeah. this yeah. isn't the place to. No. Yeah, but yeah. that's where it began, <laughs> though. <laughs> I remember really enjoying that movie's sense of humor, though. I mean, the fact that the, I mean, the, the all the chickens were obviously cast as female. That was that was just perfect for the setting. But I remember just like that that added a lot of uh, just a lot of really well written humor in that film too. It's hilarious. I I remember loving that film so much and watching it a lot. And I I love I do you know um I just love the villains in it. They're great. <laughs> Um, Mr. and Mrs. Tweedy. Yeah. And he's, he's, crazy, he's, crazy farm lady. 
and, and you think and, from Tweedy's farm. Tweedy's farm. And he, <laughs> and you think and you, and you think he's like you think he's going to be um the baddie. Mm. And then like as the film continues you realize oh no he's just her crony. He yeah. said <laughs> And uh Yeah, no so so I, I always love that. I think it's it's kind of cuz you know, like, there's this sort of, like, tendency lately to move away from, um, like, traditional, um, villains. Mm-hmm. And villains very much have to be, like, part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to, like, explore their character and maybe even feel sorry for them a little bit. But with Mr. and Mrs. Tweedy, you, there's none of that. They're just, like, full on pantomime, you know, baddies. Mm-hmm. Almost a bit. Um, I would. I would dare say almost like at least with as far as in the case of Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Tweedy, straight up almost Machiavellian kind of. Yeah. Like, really I... was like, yeah. Especially by the end, so like, I'm like freaking like cr- absolutely crazy. Mm. Yeah, and um, uh, another interesting thing is that I think kind of like the. The whole thing of having Mel Gibson in it, um, it always used to be a thing that if you did a British film, they always used to think, "Oh, you've got to have, you've got to have an American in it, because um, otherwise <laughs> the Americans won't go and see it. They, they won't be able to understand." <laughs> oh, I, know. Oh, I know he's an Australian, uh, but yeah, that's what they always used to think. They always used to think, "Oh, no, no, you've got to put Andy McDowell in it or something, because you've got to have an American for the American audience." And I, I feel like. Put it, putting him in and sort of the character that he is is sort of like you know the cliche of mm-hmm. American like or you know particularly maybe what British people see oh. him as Americans sort of yes I, f- I feel like it sort of while being you know they probably put that DreamWorks probably quite like them putting in you know a known American star or whatever they probably it, quite insisted. Yeah, but it's it feels almost like a you know a bit of a parody the way they do it. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. They know exactly what they're doing with it. Like you know, <laughs> it becomes it becomes a real um, uh, a real thing in the film, like a theme. You know, the older um, cockerel, you know, is like ah Americans and yeah, it's, and and it's, <laughs> it's, it's sort character. of done. It's sort of done. You know, because the film. Um, you know, owes a great debt to the Great Escape. Yeah, obviously. And, <laughs> to the and point the they, way... even got, they even got the ball bouncing on the wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and the way that sort of like Americans are depicted in that yeah. is like you know much more peppy. And you know half the Brits die in the Great Escape, and then Steve McQueen gets out at the end alone. So it, it's sort of like you know, um, you know, uh, uh, riffing. On the idea of how Americans are seen in war movies a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's and it, it, yeah. I mean, it feels like they make enough of a joke about it that you're not rolling your eyes too hard. And his interesting thing is that it feels obviously incredibly British, but the script is written by an American. <laughs> oh, no way. Um, I think his name is Kerry. Kerry Kitzpatrick, or um, and 
he obviously has got quite a knack uh, for writing things that feel British because <laughs> he also wrote the um, he also wrote the script for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie. Oh, uh, I've been out of town. Hmm. So, which I know a lot of people don't like that movie. I like that movie. I like it a lot. I <laughs> really, really bad. do. It's not bad. I am um, well. Uh, I'm a huge Sam Rockwell fan, though. Too. <laughs> Obviously, I, I love the book. I love that movie. But um, I was a big fan of the film, all the um, design work and everything they did. Um, yeah. Fantastic. And like. Yeah, I love Like, that. the casting and everything, like, having Stephen Fry mm-hmm. do the voice of the book, and the little animation sequence of book, and, yeah, and I think that the the director who did it is Garth Jennings. He's he's a really mm-hmm. talented guy, and he's done, like, some really awesome animated music videos. Like, he's done, he... did, um, this, this blur music video called Coffee and TV that is legendary. About Pretty this, iconic. Yeah, this little Mike Milk carton goes off on an adventure got a bit of a tragic ending um mm. yeah but he's really good and he's a, he was supposedly working on an animated film at some point but i don't know anything that's happened about that oh yeah he just needs to make any movie because i love son of rambo oh yeah that's which, great um which is a film he made a few years ago mm-hmm. um which you should check out it's not animated no it has a couple of animated bits um a bit of animation by David O'Reilly mm-hmm. um, in the form of sort of like a, a kid's uh, doodles in his in his school textbooks. Um, but yeah, oh, you should yeah. check that out. If you, yeah, I'd like to see... Like, I, okay. Have you guys seen Secret Life of a Teenage Girl? That has a ton of animation in it that's similar to that. Oh yeah, that came out. Yeah, that that came out recently. It came didn't out it? recently. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, I, it's based on a graphic novel, isn't it? I don't know. That would make sense. I, I, I it just. I mean, I missed the script. I had an opportunity to see it. I missed it, but I, I have my eye. I'm. That's one of the next movies I want to check out. I'm fairly certain it's based on a graphic novel. So, do you, do you know what? when I heard about this movie, before I knew that it has like because it was quite controversial in the UK because um, mm-hmm. uh, it was it was borderline fifteen eighteen rating, which is like mm-hmm. um, you know this is how our ratings work. You, you have to be fifteen, or you have to be eighteen. Um, mm-hmm. But before I heard about all that, I thought it sounded a lot like Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> there's a teenage girl's diary and there's animation and it comes <laughs> <life> and <laughs> that's funny so I'd be interested to see how it is not like Lizzie McGuire I think it's quite not like Lizzie McGuire in many ways <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just wanted to talk about Ticket Run for a bit um, <laughs> and I haven't really be watching much else to be honest um so dan have you been watching anything you'll never guess what i uh <laughs> what i caught rick and morty, um, by morty. yes rick and morty rick and bloody morty is <laughs> seriously it's so good mm-hmm. it's it do you know what? i i was uh, so, so th- this week's episode sort of like plays with the theme of um, expressing yourself and, and how other people see you. 
And, you know, the, the series is just proving more and more that it's just, it's, it's, it shares a lot of like, it's, it's, um, convergent DNA with, uh, with Doctor Who. Because yeah. it explores, you know, like ideas like that, like, like, you know, uh, what I just mentioned. But it does it in a really fun, goofy, sci-fi way. <laughs> Um, but, but also, you know, like the writing is, is, is smart, but the stories are great. They have a great, like, internal logic to them. And it's really good, just like classic, you know, like sitcom writing, really. So I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna stop banging on about it. Yeah. <laughs> until, uh, until everyone's watching it. We're just gonna have to do a show and get it out of your system. We have to do Rick, Rick and Morty. Yeah, that sounds, yeah, that sounds Rick good. Yeah, Larry's yeah. have to watch Let's it all it. somehow. And 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 yeah. actually, um, one thing I noticed in this episode is that, and this is true for all of them, but you know, the the animation is really good. You know, it, it, it's um, the designs, you know, are are made to look slightly uh, naive, if that's fair to say. Uh, because they're basic, they are based upon Justin Roiland's own animations, um, which you can watch on YouTube. He did one called House of Cosby's. Oh, God. Which is the most batshit thing. He, well, he made it years ago. Yeah. But it's still funny. In light of everything, it's not flattering at all. So mm. you can watch it and laugh. It's, um, it's just about a guy who lives with like five Bill Cosby clones. <laughs> and like some of them, like you know, uh, <laughs> like one of them's one of the one of the clones. His whole thing is just dancing. <laughs> so I don't know. So, so, but yeah, going back to Rick and Morty, the animation itself is great. Really good acting going on. Not just like the same old boring poses that you'd see in you know really quickly produced like TV animation. Um. So I, I, you know, yeah, watch Rick and Morty. I swear <laughs> I'm not being paid by Adult Swim. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I'm sure that... they could start paying you if you keep pushing. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though, because um, I don't think Adult Swim shows are known for their their animation. To be to be honest, <laughs> as a rule, no, not, not so... really. No, Aquatine no. Hunger Force. And but but it seems it seems like for 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 Adult Swim uh, that Rick and Morty was like a big step. Yeah, it's like their prestige okay. project. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like it was. I think it was their first um, series, which is uh, four half hour as well. Uh, even their even their um, live action things are normally like little short things, uh, like Children's Hospital. Like yeah, ten minute episodes. <laughs> yeah, Rick and Morty then. Check it out, says Dan. Um, Again, yeah. Last week, when we you said that you you watched uh, something on YouTube that you wanted to talk about. Had do I? Remember, do you remember what it? No. Okay. Uh, can you? Did, did I say anything more than that? No, you just said I watched a clip on YouTube. Oh, 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 no! This is kind of fun. Okay, so it was something that I had seen before, and um, someone had passed me again. So. Um, <laughs> Bob Godfrey, uh, who people probably know best as the creator of Rhubarb and Custard. 
Bob, Rhubarb Bob and Custard Rhubarb and, and Henry's and Cat. Henry's Cat, of course, Henry's Cat. Mm. Uh, uh, which were, you know, um, TV... They, they weren't really series. They were just... They were just things that used to be on TV every now and again. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, he, well, he had a he had a TV show at one point called um, Bob Godfrey's Do It Yourself Animation Show. Oh wow! And there's and there's mm-hmm. a great clip, and he had like a whole book apparently and and a kit, uh, and you know like a, an annual that you could buy to learn animation with. But one of the episodes he had Terry Gilliam. As a guest, oh wow! Oh, oh, clip of of it's about fifteen minutes long of Terry Gilliam, and it was like a kids show of of Terry Gilliam yes. presenting like a you know a little bit about how he creates his cutout animations, and it was it was made in you know in the seventies. He's got like you know dark long hair and he's wearing jeans. Um... And, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's just a great little, you know, tutorial where he talks about how he finds everything from, from magazines and he cuts things out and he goes, oh, look, this, um, you know, this, uh, this small stone, you can just repurpose this if you put a small person next to this. The small stone becomes a giant rock. And it's just a really inspiring little, um, little clip. And then, and then later on, he and, and it's interspersed with lots of little things he made just for the show as well, um, because it was for kids, so he couldn't, you know, use his usual sort of humour. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it, there's a great tutorial where he he's you know he shows kids you know you you get a you get a camera and you have to make sure that it's a a Bolex camera and you you know uh, you you film the animation and you put glass down and you make you have to make storyboards and he shows, you know, uh, how to, how to make a storyboard and how it's meant to, you, you know, you're meant to guess. Okay. Well, I guess this would take about two seconds for a character to walk on screen. Um, and this is a great little, little clip. Um, that's really interesting. So I'll, I'll bung that in the show notes. Awesome. Um, Yvonne, mm. have you been watching anything that you want to talk about? <laughs> Uh, honestly, I have been, um, uh, watching just a lot, a lot of, um, submitted films for the uh, Animation Nights New York. Oh yeah, um, that's going to be your life, isn't it? I know. We have, um, at this point about a hundred films now. Wow. Submitted. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, some, actually some really nice ones. Um, I, I, uh. Yeah, I'm gonna have a, a short list soon of my favorites, and then um, basically we'll just be comparing notes. And and then I also have to. Um, it's pretty exciting, actually. We, we have. Um, well, ho- hopefully, the, all the details aren't nailed down exactly, but um, most likely we'll be showing um, contemporary Czech animation at the next screening. And um, uh, again, we're still just kind of hammering out the details, but I'm really excited to watch that stuff. So I just got um, my hands on, on some of the digital files to review and I'm really, really looking forward to that. But um, yeah, otherwise, I've just been kind of like carving out a little bit of time late in the evening to sort of sit with the submissions. And um, it's been fantastic, I have to say. I mean, there's just so much time <laughs> that goes into all of these. Like, even if something isn't your favorite or, you know, 
it's just it's nice to know there's so much of it out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't I haven't been um and they're sure, you know, I mean, it's like we've said before, you know, it's like if you're you know, it's worth watching, you know, 10 for one really amazing one. You know what I mean? Um yeah. and then the ones in between like through the I mean, all of them are, are worth something just for the time and effort that's been put into them. So um, it's just, I don't know, it's kind of a great thing. I'm really enjoying it right now. <laughs> that's really cool, you know. Uh, but <laughs> we'll see how are you Are you finding, um, <laughs> are you finding, uh, how, how are you finding, rather, um, you know, curating them in a playlist? Like, oh, which one, which one should be the ender and which one in the middle how are you how are you thinking about about that stuff um well right now we're kind of uh working with trying to work with themes really so it's set up mm -hmm. as a rolling submission um so basically it's just kind of like submit your film now <laughs> and then the next step is um uh we're sort of picking and choosing things that are our favorites and then Put, sort of putting we'll be putting them together into sort of a theme and then once we get that theme um then yeah then it's a matter of like putting the films in order and the last uh show uh, i really kind of let robert he he and i have a um very it seems like we have a very similar taste or at least we've agreed on the things that we've really liked um and it was just a nice it had a nice flow to it and if we can repeat that um if it's possible, we probably will try because we had, you know, some experimental stuff. And then um, I think I said this last podcast, but some experimental stuff and then some narrative stuff and some really funny stuff and a couple darker pieces. And um, and it just made for a really nice flow. I mean, for an, we had over an hour's worth of animation, slightly over an hour's worth of animation, um, all short films. And um, it flowed really, really uh, well. You know, you didn't, you didn't get, because it can be a little bit exhausting. I mean, even though they're short, um, a lot of them do kind of pack a punch, you know. <laughs> and um, it's just a lot. It's a lot of, of different types of styles and things. So I don't know if that's, uh, that uh, answers the question. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. I've, um, you know, going to festivals, I just always think it's kind of mysterious how after about an hour, you could show me the best animation. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm still probably going to be a little bit tired. Mm -hmm. Something, something, yeah. something about shorts, just, you know, uh, you can't have too many of them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, in fact, we may, um, wind up having a little break in between, even though the, um, yeah. show itself wasn't necessarily too long. Like, I think it's good to just let people stretch their, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. legs a little and you know grab another beer or whatever they want yeah to do. it can be it can be kind of yeah. turbulent because you're heading in and out mm -hmm. of worlds you're you know especially if you yeah. if if like you say you're watching something which is meant to be a bit dark and serious you want to give it your full attention and it becomes mm -hmm. quite exhausting as a viewer yeah yeah an hour sounds about right really for watching yeah collection of shorts sort of an hour an hour and a half tops really Right, you know, I definitely we wouldn't go over an hour, I don't think. Mm. But we're even thinking about maybe having a little break in between. Mm. Um, just a, you know, a quick little five-minute thing, uh, 15, 10-minute thing, you know, so people can just have a little bit of a break. But 
Um, we'll see how that goes, but it, it really has been nice just kind of taking in a few little short films every day, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like three or four at night. It just be like, like, oh, let's see what the what the universe has to offer here. It's kind of how it feels, you oh, know. That's excellent. Because <laughs> it's just, it seems so random. I mean, honestly, they're from all around the world. I mean. Mm. And the cool thing about Film Freeway is you could see the map. <laughs> you know, it's all all the all the data is right there, um, broken down for you. And it's um, yeah, it's it's incredible. <laughs> but we definitely have to keep up on it, keep up with it though. <laughs> and seeing so, as we yeah. haven't haven't really plugged it this week, if you've got any, if you're an animator and you've got some short films, then you should submit them. Yes. Or if you know animators, yeah, yes. you should submit yes. them to Animation Nights New York. That's yes. right, that's right. AnimationNights.nyc or .com, and um, and there's no uh, limit. I mean, if they were, if the film was made in the '80s or the film was made, in the, it doesn't matter. Um, if you know of a filmmaker who'd like to to screen their film uh, in this in our New York City venue, then uh, please do send us a line or get in touch. Um, but oh, but there does ha- there, we do need a digital copy of the movie. We're not set up to uh, we're just, we're just showing it uh via digital files. Ah, so you said it on VHS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah, only that's I, only stipulation. You can hear the listeners already angrily throwing their sixteen millimeters back into the. <laughs> oh <Fine>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only copy of my film is on Betamax. <laughs> yep, <laughs> has to be transferred or has to be recorded <laughs> digital. Okay, damn it. For now, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's actually it was a bit of a, an issue for this next screening. Um, I don't know. We would like to incorporate older um, works, you know, um, sort of like the teeth the teachers of the contemporary artists who would like to show, but um, that might be a little bit of an issue. Anyway, it's something that we can look into in the future. I mean, this is all um, sort of brand new operation, so um, it's all very exciting. (laughs) Very cool. There's one other interesting news story is that there is a film uh, that has just been picked up um, for um, distribution from via the Toronto Film Festival that's running at the moment, and it is a stop motion animated feature by Charlie Kaufman, who is best known for live action films such as um, uh, Eternal Spotless, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That was him, right? <laughs> I'm not getting mm. mixed up. Um, he didn't direct it, but. Um, he was the writer, and he also wrote um, Being John Malkovich. Um, mm-hmm. And I th- did he direct adaptation or just write it? Mm. I, I've forgotten. Anyway, um, <laughs> he's a very interesting writer, and he's moved into stop motion with his film, which I really forgot the name of. <laughs> oh, what was it? Um, Anomalisa. Anomalisa. Yes, uh, the film is called Anomalisa, and it has been picked up uh, by Paramount, and is going to be released by them. And so, are we interested to see a stop motion film from 
Charlie Kaufman, everyone? Yes. Because yeah. I, I don't even really need to know what it's about. Just the fact that Charlie Kaufman is moving into animation is interesting. <laughs> it's kind of weird that it's it's played at Toronto, right? Yes. There's no trailer. There's just one image mm-hmm. that's available at the moment, and not much else about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, so one, not to just like completely throw water on the gorgeous crackling bonfire that's being excited about this, <laughs> but it's good. Okay, it's 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 great actually that it's happening. When Wes Anderson made uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. There were people who were talking about the movie, critics and just people in general, who felt that there was some kind of extra legitimacy, extra legitimacy added um, by virtue of it being directed by someone who was not an animator. Mm-hmm. So uh, all, uh, all I'm saying is, like, it's exciting. It's great. It would just be nice, like if it, if 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 it went, if when it was released, it wasn't sort of um, uh, you, you, you know, you, you get these people who just like who don't ever see animated movies, watching something that's kind of okay, and you know, thinking that it's the greatest thing ever. I'm not. I'm. I'm not really making my point too well. Um, it just people who that... wouldn't usually watch animation thinking that it sort of has added legitimacy because it comes from a proper film director. Yeah. Is proper what director, saying. not a director of those silly cartoons. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Like, like you'll that see Zack Snyder when he made that movie about the owls. <laughs> <laughs> that that we all remember. Ah yeah. uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So not... so that's that's all I really want to say about like the movie and being excited about it is um, it would be cool if it was kind of not really seen so much in that in that light because I well, think I guess it does... all it all depends on whether or not it's good, <laughs> right? Well, I, I'm not sure if it does because you know like. There are movies that get released where the animation is not spectacular, but you'll have people writing about it like, "Oh, and the animation is mm-hmm. beautiful." Like Waltz with Bashir, I wouldn't mm-hmm. call well, that the th- most stunning yeah. animation in the world, but because it was like elevated to, you know, um, it did well in Cannes, like because it had that kind of outsider, uh, you know prestige to it almost I mean outside of to animation it felt like it was well that movie was taken... it was very effective though I mean that's maybe not the no doubt best yeah example. well but we'll right. be here to um to we'll be here to criticize it if it's bad no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying it's bad I'm not saying it's bad at all I'm I'm, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying like I've seen how these sorts of films Tend to be received, and I and and I'm just interested whether, you know, yeah. T- to what extent people are actually interested in it being animated, 
as a novelty or as a, a or someone re- looking at it with a critical eye for animation kind of um not even necessarily that just yeah okay yeah i guess yeah yeah okay it's a fun it's question. an interesting topic yeah i mean that's yeah. something that we can totally dive into on in another podcast and we've talked about that before like sort of the use of animation and you know as a medium and how and where how a critical eye oh how do you even say it hey, yeah no where, yeah where I, is it going from here i guess oh like how, how it's evolving i think i well, think I mean, more what I think more everyone's uh, sort of like getting at is is um, to what extent being technically proficient should be a requirement. Mm-hmm. Qualifier. Yeah, a qualifier. Yeah. Don Hertzfeld, like we're talking about that. Right, yeah. and then there's there are certain films that are just um, effective and and. Um, there are short films with anima- with animation that's maybe super minimal or even not very good. That, well, that gets a little iffy, but but say super minimal that tell a great story and and it mm-hmm. works or have really good sound and voiceover. Let's say minimal animation because like bad animation that's a whole other category. But say like very yeah. limited yeah. Um, that are just as yeah. can be just as effective. Um, I'm kind of fa- I'm kind tricky. of fascinated. Yeah. I'm kind of fascinated with how critics um, interact with animation because I still think mm. critics are really influential and important. Mm. And yeah. the way that sometimes, um, you know, critics who would happily, um, you know, uh, write a, a considered analysis of like a uh, of of an actor's performance or of a mm. directing or even of something like cinematography um yeah i feel like the people who would be writing that sort of article you know people who 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 aren't actors or directors or cinematographers would approach animation and you you, you know because you think they're intimidated by the art form Mm -hmm. sorry sorry Yvonne, i missed that Oh, no, do you think they're maybe intimidated by the art form or there's a little bit of a lack of understanding and so it's given a wider just, I, think, I think it's simply just a, a ignorance and a lack of understanding. And I don't think that's their fault. Um, it's just something that, 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 that fascinates me. I mean, check it out. Yeah. Next time Next time a movie like this comes out or if, if, there's, um, if, there, if, if there are reviews of this movie from, mm-hmm. uh, from Toronto... Um, Go 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 on the um, on the critics, uh, you know, past reviews, and see just how differently they might talk about animation. I mean, some that of them is you know, absolutely get yeah. it. Some of them yes. really understand what they're saying and you know evaluate them as movies first, and then some right. you see like you know revert back to really quite lazy lines like, "Oh, the the watercolor imagery when there's in fact uh, no water in." <laughs> And I know that's a really finicky, you know, um, pedantic point. But for me, it speaks to a wider point about critics don't really know how to talk about animation. They know how to talk about animation. And that's, I mean, it sort of goes hand in hand with what we talked about with regard to, like, the amount of animation, though, right? Because they're used to really not 
be you'd get a lot less, right? I mean, now we have yeah. we have so much more of it. Maybe that's part of the deal. I mean, maybe people are just not practiced enough. I mean, I mean, if it says anything, I I never ever look at reviews for animated films. <laughs> like I don't even <laughs> think to do it. You know what I mean? Whereas right. with a live action film, I would absolutely. I mean, I, I always, <laughs> so I don't know if that says anything, right. but I, no, just, I, I tend know. to, I tend to, and it really fascinates me how with some critics there, is, you know, with some, you know, you, yeah. well, first of all, you have critics and then you have reviewers, like people who are, you know, uh, very much in the profession of promoting something or giving you right. an opinion, um, mm-hmm. to giving you a consumer advice, you know, mm, um, right. But yeah, I think you, some people do have a very different way of approaching, like, you know, criticism for animated films. I've kind of gone off topic from Anomalisa. <laughs> but, really, but, yeah, it's, but it's okay. But <laughs> um, we've never done that before. No, we've never done that. <laughs> but I, but really, that was these were the sorts of questions I was asking myself when I saw that this movie existed. Um, because I think these sorts of films do tend to be received very differently from something, even like, um, I don't know, an Arben movie where, you know, people who have been making stop motion films their whole life, mm-hmm. you know, are sort of treated as mm. like animators rather than right. I, or serious maybe not. filmmakers. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. That's really interesting. Okay. To finish up, here's an interesting question for you. If you could choose any non-animated director to make an animation film, who would you choose? Joss Whedon. Uh, Yes, yes. I I, I agree 100% (laughs) with that. Guillermo del Toro. Ooh. Ooh. Yes? Um, Yeah. Any director to make an animated film, mm. maybe David Fincher. Oh, he because... was going to do what Goon. He was going to do the Goon, right? Ooh, because, David because Lynch. He... Oh, well, because he Tim, did. Remember that but... he did the angriest dog in the world, or is that what it was mm. called? The comic strip. I haven't seen that. He did a comic strip. It was just no a dog. He was so angry, he could. <laughs> He's just kind of flat <laughs> against the ground, and he wouldn't move. He couldn't move. He was so angry. You know? <laughs> I'm great. not sure he ever got up. It was. Just, I know <laughs> that would be great to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I think I think you know, um, bringing it full circle, it will ish. Um, you, you, Big Hollywood directors are interacting with animation far more than ever before now. Mm-hmm. John Favreau doing Jungle Book—that's yeah. the yeah. animated movie, apart from the um, from the uh, live-action lead of. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah, I think David Fincher would be a good fit because he is a very particular director. You hear that he knows exactly what he wants. And I think that's the sort of, you know, um, direct you need for, for animation. 
Yeah, I just want Guillermo del Toro to do ones because I've seen like all his sketches and stuff, and I just think it'd be excellent. It's perfect. It'd be amazing. Well, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, yeah. look at um, Pan's Labyrinth. I mean, that's his. Yeah, his his imagination is you know. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah, I think out of all, I think out from, of all the directors, yeah. you'd probably have the the most imagination mm. to bring to it. And mm. some of those, didn't he say those? Some of those monsters, they're from his dreams. Like they're straight, like straight out of the subconscious. I believe it. Yeah. I think there was at one point he was teaming up with Disney. They were going to do like horror animation label called mm. <laughs> Disney Double Dares You or something. But Whoa. like, like every, almost every <laughs> Guillermo del Toro project, it ended up falling through. Um, poor man. And now he works a lot. Now, Room Two's might not happen. Aww. So, is the animated series going to happen? Is the question. I want it to happen. Come on, that's that's the best. Please, please. <laughs> it's supposed to be happening, but is it going to happen now? Well, maybe well, maybe uh, the success of the animated series could warrant another movie. Yeah, let's Hopefully. hope so. <laughs> okay, I think it's been a bit of a mixed show this week, but I think it's been fun. It's been yeah, variety, definitely. a variety, uh, mixed bag, pick and mix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I. So we're gonna call it a day. All we need are puppets. All we need are muppets. Muppets. <laughs> muppets. Wow, that we was almost. Pretty... We almost didn't make a muppet reference. That was pretty convoluted. Yeah. <laughs> it sort of it goes with the show. It goes with the, or the episode. <laughs> it goes with the episode. I mean, yeah, the the hodgepodge show. <laughs> kind of like the first show. Going, going full circle. Yeah. This is more more like our yeah, more like our first episode. <laughs> I think it's all right to do one like this every now and again. Yeah. So, so uh, you can listen to all our previous episodes on animationforadults.com, on podcast.com, on iTunes, or now on Stitcher, where you can listen to us or stream us using the the website or an app, and you can also stream it in the post on our website. And you can follow us on AFA Blog on Twitter. You can find us on Tumblr and on Facebook, Pinterest and Google+. And you can follow Dan. Dan. On Twitter, yes. Yeah. At Hamu. Yes. And Yvonne? I'm on Twitter at iSnare underscore Inc. And submit your short films to animationnights.nyc. And of course, Rachel. You can follow me at Rachel Ward at Fail to Ninja on Twitter. Yeah, Rachel's back, everybody. Yeah. It's been great Good having to you be back. back. Hopefully, yeah, we'll been... keep this going. Oh, and, and just one final plug is that you can, by the time you hear this, you will be able to buy the latest issue of My M Magazine in good newsagents or via the um, the App Store on Apple or Android. Or apparently Barnes and Nobles in America, and you will nice. find reviews reviews by me in there. Of I think I review One Piece in there, and I think uh, Bleach, and I also wrote That's an three article. Pieces. That's, hmm? that's, I the, 
<laughs> no, you were only allowed one dad joke. <laughs> Sorry. She's gone <laughs> over. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And also, I wrote an article on the appeal of Frieza from uh, Battle, uh, Dragon Ball Z. So <laughs> check that out, and we will catch you very soon when we record another episode of the AFA podcast. So. Woohoo! Goodbye, everybody! Bye! Bye! Bye. <laughs> together again. Gee, it's good to be together again. I just can't imagine that you've ever been gone. It's not starting over, it's just going on. Together again. Now we're here and there's no I just have to say, I wonder if there'll ever be a day when I hear the word Bolex camera and I don't go <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> Why is that? Sounds a bit like bollocks. Oh my <laughs> lord. That's funny. <laughs> It sounds. I'm such a child. It, 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 sounds, awesome. it sounds like someone who's never heard a posh person actually speaking before, trying to say bollocks in a posh voice. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether to leave that in. <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> awesome. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. Everybody gets everybody gets one. <laughs> okay. <laughs>